0: Welcome to CMS On Air, the podcast on migration and refugee issues, brought to you by the Center for Migration Studies of New York. I'm Julieta Velasquez, CMS's communications manager. In just a moment, you'll hear a conversation between Kevin Appleby and Victor Janina. Kevin is the interim executive director of CMS, and Victor is the director of development and policy for the Scalabrini International Migration Network. In this episode of CMS on Air, Victor and Kevin discuss issues surrounding migration. Here's the conversation.
1: Victor Janina, thank you for being with us today, um, and for being on with uh, CMS to talk about some issues around migration. Uh, first, tell us, tell us, and tell the audience what your role is with the Scalabrine International Migration Network. What, what do you, what do you do for them, and and uh, what kind of advocacy do you pursue?
2: Yes, yes, of course. Thank you very much for the invitation, Kevin, and thank you to CMS for having me here. I mean, to respond to your question, I think uh, there are two main uh, kinds of activities I do. SIM SIM is one of the Scalabrinian institutions created uh, almost two decades ago with the idea of doing two main uh, tasks, performing two main tasks. One is advocacy, especially at the United Nations, and the other one is fundraising. So I supervise some activities in in relation to fundraising, but uh, especially I am focused in having Or conducting the activities, the advocacy activities of the Scalabrinian congregation before the United Nations. But not only the United Nations, I also take part in other regional processes because the Scalabrinians, for example, are members of Red Clamor, which is a very important advocacy network in the Latin American region. But also, we support the Stella Maris Scalabrinian network. Which is a network of sea centers that advocates for the rights of seafarers and fishers, and SIM also supports and provide assistance, uh, technical assistance to these uh, centers in different ports of the world.
1: And you, you have some special experience you bring to this job because you've you've been on the government side of things. Tell us a little bit about your history working with with governments that. Uh, deal with migration?
2: Yes, uh, uh, it was uh, since the 90s uh, that I started working uh, in my home country, Mexico, for the Mexican Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the multilateral area, and that helped me to be able or to have the privilege to work for the Mexican missions, both uh, in Geneva and New York, that is the representations of the Mexican government to the United Nations in Geneva and in New York and since then I was specialized in uh, representing uh, the the Mexican government in different processes related to migration uh, that were taking place at the United Nations. And um, yes, that, that's how I, I came to be very into the global processes related to the governance of international migration.
1: So we have quite quite a migration expert here to uh, ask some more specific questions to. Um, so the Global Compact on Migration was really a historic document. Um, that was adopted a few years ago, and uh, the Scalabrinian International Migration Network was in the forefront of trying to shape that document and to see that it's implemented properly. So, give us a little sense of what SIM's priorities were for are for the G- GCM and how it will be implemented or continues to be implemented um, in the world.
2: Well, SIM and the Scalabrinian Congregation. Uh, have a very rich experience in developing a model of inclusion and integration of migrants into host communities uh, through employment and uh, entrepreneurship uh, activities so uh, one of the main goals of the Scalabrinians in the process of negotiation of the Global Compact was sharing the good practice of this model with the states and especially focusing on the win-win situation when you do uh, this kind of uh, integration of migrants into the host society how it's beneficial for both the host society and the migrant himself or herself so that was one of the issues and right now that we have the first review forum of the Global Compact, the International Migration Review Forum that was held uh, last year here at, in New York at the United Nations, uh, we have seen that the landscape of the international migration uh, reality worldwide has been a significant, significantly changed compared to the years 2017 and 2018 not only due to the COVID-19 pandemic but also to to certain trends that are really a source of concern for those who are uh, committed into helping people in need people who are in human mobility situations Why I say that? Well, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic invisibilized uh, migrants and closed many of the, the possibilities they had to access, for example, services. They were discriminated in a very uh, significant way by uh, policies because they did not have access to health services including vaccination and and tests. But at the same time, it was migrants who were the ones who played an essential role in keeping economies working. So it was very obvious to everyone that migrants, regardless their migratory status, were the ones who were in the front line in providing services Uh, to host communities when these very prolonged lockdowns took place and that was a paradox and it was a source of concern for us because even though it was obvious that they were playing a starving role in having the economies and the health service sector working they were even more discriminated than before so in uh, Bearing this in mind, one of the, the key issues we wanted to address in the process of the review of the Global Compact was ensuring that the essential role of migrants was acknowledged and from this acknowledgement taking action to provide access to services and especially to curb the higher or the high indexes of uh, lack of record, legal recognition or regularization especially for those in undocumented situation so also we were we were really concerned about the uh, rising number of migrants who are being uh, lost in, and how the the pushback policies implemented by by many states have created uh, even more dangerous conditions for those who are migrating. So we propose to expand as the Global Compact already uh, recognizes. uh, We wanted to emphasize the need to expand uh, the pathways for regular migration. Those were our priorities,
1: right? And we see in the world today a lot of situations where those deterrence policies or pushbacks are being are being implemented. Today, for example, the United States announced um, an initiative on regional processing as sort of a balance to other, more just, dis- more restrictive things are doing at the border. What's your initial reaction to the U.S. policy of of maybe establishing these regional processing centers so that people don't make the dangerous journeys northward?
2: Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, the U.S. is not alone in this. Uh, We have seen that several countries have implemented what uh, many activists and scholars call the outsourcing of the migratory and refugee procedures the idea is to prevent uh, large numbers of people reaching your uh, I mean your border and requesting the recognition of the refugee status or other forms of international uh, humanitarian protection so what you try to do is trying to place these centers of processing the, the application of this uh, status in other countries. That is called the externalization of borders, and of course we are very concerned about this because many of the countries where, they, uh, where the migrants have to stay are extremely dangerous. Including including Mexico and other uh, uh, Central and South American countries, Central America and Mexico is an extremely dangerous area for migrants, due to uh, the strong presence of uh, criminal organizations, transnational criminal organizations dedicated to smuggling and especially trafficking, uh, human trafficking. So. If you uh, encourage migrants to to stay in those countries while uh, the process, the the refugee process takes place, then you are subjecting them to a high risk of being killed, kidnapped, or uh, being also victims of extortion. So we these kind of policies we don't think are in line with uh, the spirit and the letter of the Global Compact, for example. And we would like to have them, uh, I mean, replaced by the traditional and the accepted norm by the international law of uh, processing all the applications at the border. Great. So
1: in terms of the GCM itself and its implementation, there's been the first international migration review forum so there's been a few years since the adoption of the GCM for nations to sort of implement its provisions where do you see where do you see the nations are right now in terms of their progress and what areas do you think they really need to improve on moving forward
2: yes I think uh, we have to to bear in mind that even the progress declaration that was adopted as a result of the the International Migration Review Forum admits or acknowledges that the progress achieved in the implementation of the Global Compact is uneven and very limited. So we know very well what it means to see these words in a UN document. If we can read this in a UN document, it means that the reality is even more uh, concerning or much worse than it was acknowledged by the, by the countries. So, we can say that there are some progresses like for example, the creation of the, the the fund, the multi-trust fund, to finance different projects uh, to implement goals of the Global Compact. But if you see the amount the fund has, I mean, uh, the amount of money donated by governments, then you realize that there is no strong commitment. Uh, up to now, we have just uh, $38 million as part of the fund. I mean, that is the capital the <laughs> fund has, so we know that $38 million for a global problem is not is not uh, a significant number. One thing that is positive also is that uh, as part of the progress declaration, it was accepted that the UN is going to develop indicators to measure the implementation of the Global Compact, which is a first step. But also, when you read the the text of the Progress Declaration, there are many caveats. It has to be voluntary, it has to be requested by the state and it's suggested by the UN, so we know very well when we read this kind of language in a UN document that the commitment of the states to really develop indicators to measure the success in the implementation of the Global Compact is very limited. So, you can say that there are certain things that have have positively changed. For example, in the region of Latin America with the Venezuelan exodus, you have many countries that open their borders to these Venezuelan flocks, and they were regularized, just uh, on their temporary basis, but the same, they were regularized. So this is a very good example that the Global Compact was implemented. But you don't see these kind of processes in other regions, especially in Europe and North America. So uh, it's very uneven, and uh, there's a, a, what it's missing, it's a political will in order to implement it, really, and uh, in a committed way.
1: You, you used the term political will. <clears throat> That's a good transition for my next question because I know in the U.S. that immigration has been very politicized. We're very polarized on the issue. One of the goals of the GCM was sort of to address xenophobia and even racism globally and try to reduce that in some ways um, so that people are more welcoming, people are more understanding of the plight of migrants, the plight of asylum seekers. Do you see any indication over the last several years that that's improving in any way, or do you think it's that the issues become so polarized that it, it's, it's hard to make progress in that area?
2: Uh, I think it depends on each country. In some countries, you, you can see that depending on the, uh, the political party that wins the election you have uh, a more serious effort to uh, combat especially the xenophobic narratives in the political sphere and in the social sphere. But in some countries definitely, I mean, let's, let's think of uh, the, the Brazil uh, before the, arri- the arrival of Lula to, to the presidency, or, right now, for example, Italy and, of course, we don't have to mention the US before this administration, of course, but uh, it depends on what party uh, takes uh, the executive branch of the the government, but in general, I think that uh, because of the increasing numbers of migrants, even regions that were not characterized as xenophobic or racist are developing this, you know, for example, in Latin America you see that the political discourse is becoming more anti-migrant and in many respects in a very nasty way, you know, using the most, uh, uh, how can I say, inhuman uh, <coughs> arguments you can use to justify the, the prohibition of new arrivals, for example. So, in general, even in Africa also, I mean, uh, the political discourse in Africa is also in some places, places of transit, of migrants is becoming also very anti-migrant. So I think that unfortunately the trend is not moving in the right direction, even though in some countries, depending on the, the political party that uh, wins the election, uh, we can have a different uh, response to the challenges of migration.
1: So... Where, where does the global community go from here on migration? I, I know that sounds like a, a, a large question uh, that's sort of hanging out there, but we have the global compact on migration. We have some limited progress there. Um, how would you advise advocates and other stakeholders to sort of <clears throat> engage this issue moving forward? Is there more that can be done? Is there more pressure that could be put on governments? to really take the document more seriously, to contribute more to the to the fund. Um, what, what, what advice would you give advocates and other supporters of migrants uh, moving forward?
2: Well, I think you have to, to do advocacy activities in different layers. You have to do it at local level. You have to do it at, national level, regional and multilateral one. The issue, and you know this very well, the the problem with the Global Compact is is that uh, it's a very comprehensive document but it's a non-binding document. This is very important. States are not obliged to uh, respect uh, the content or to implement fully the content of the global compact. So in a way it is more a kind of guide of what you have to do if you want to implement migration policies according to the principles consecrated in the Global Compact, which are, is, is, is a human a human being centered document that seeks to develop or to design humane migration policies but the states are not obliged to, to fully implement it so when you have certain governments that are more uh, inclined to welcome the document then you have some room to tell them okay, you, you say that your migration policies uh, are in line with the content of the compact then this and this and these elements of the compact are missing in your in your policies and that is why it's very important to do advocacy activities at the local and national levels but also here when we have uh, every four years the, the Migration Review Forum of course we have to raise some issues when we see that the general trends are moving in the opposite direction to uh, what is included in the compact.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you for being with us today, and we appreciate your insight um, and your advice on this. Any final words you want to share about Sims' uh, future goals uh, on this issue? or?
2: Well, yes. One of the, the activities, precisely bearing in mind all what is happening in in the multilateral level, CIMI is right now developing what we call the Scalabrinian models of in, uh, integration and protection for migrants, one and the other one for seafarers and fishers. Hmm. Precisely, we are trying to take the best, praxis, best practices and also the practices that, uh, in the ground, the Scalabrinian Centers have uh, developed to systematize all this knowledge and to have, to have it in a very action-oriented uh, format in order to replicate these good practices in a coordinated uh, manner in order exactly to 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 provide a better protection and a better integration for migrants and seafarers and fishers. Great,
1: we look forward to that. Victor, thank you for being with us today.
2: No, thanks to you Kevin and thanks to CMS. Uh, it was a pleasure and hopefully we we can work together also because the research part is extremely if, uh, I mean, the, the kind of work CMS does during the discussions and the negotiation of the Global Compact was also a very important asset.
1: Great. Well, we look forward to working with you.
2: Thank you.
0: If you'd like to learn more about the Scalabrini International Migration Network, please visit www.simn-global.org. CMS On Air's theme music is provided by The Music Case. For more podcasts like this one, please follow CMS On Air on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find a full transcript of this episode, or to get more information about CMS's research and upcoming events, please visit CMSNY.org.